kick in. Welcome everybody, we are back again for another episode of the Rob the Genius Podcast. This week we'll have a deep dive into the economics of sports and how they're being affected by the COVID-19 virus, along with a brief discussion, a brief touch on WrestleMania, which I did talk about at length in a couple of other episodes on here, if you want to get a longer take on it, listen to those. But I will just do a quick drop in here for those who may just have some, you know, casual or tangential level of interest. That along with whatever else I can think of while I'm recording this week. (laughs) As you heard at the beginning, uh, this week's musical guest is Tribe Called Quest. Uh, They will be played throughout the episode here. And before I get started, just a quick reminder for the millionth time, I will be on the Nerdicons podcast in an episode that should be available by the time you listen to this. We'll be having a talking about the 1989 Batman movie that starred Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Kim Basinger. All of those things, plus whatever else comes to mind between now and... <laughs> the time I finish recording this thing. So sit back and enjoy, and we will get this thing started. Thank you. 
All right, so that was bugging out from low end theory. And of course, the uh, age old debate if you are a fan of Tribe is whether what was their best album, Low End Theory or Midnight Marauders. I will have some stuff from Midnight Marauders later and some more stuff from Low End Theory probably. Now, on to the big topic of the week, and that is the whole you know economics of sports during this whole coronavirus thing. Now, what inspired me to talk about this was just listening to an episode of Bomani Jones, you know, the Right Time podcast, and um, Bomani is a really smart guy. He has really just interesting discussions about a bunch of stuff. And now he will get into it with people on Twitter. And if he thinks he's talking to somebody stupid, he can be quite a bit condescending. But, you know, when you get a chance to listen to him talk at length about stuff, he is, you know, very intelligent and likes to really dig into stuff. And it's worth your time listening. And in this case, you know, he went on a pretty long bit about baseball because baseball major league baseball is trying to still have some kind of a season and what they're doing essentially is well what their what their plan is right now is to you know kind of bring every all the players out to Arizona and put them up in hotels for the entire season and then have just have a bunch of games had the season in isolation or no fans and to even have like the umpire like six feet off of the plate for social distancing purposes and they're hoping to do this you know so that they can have some kind of season <clears throat> because you know opening day was supposed to have already happened it, that date has come and gone and of course there's no games going no games going on right now and, you know, the, the longer we go here, the less likelihood there is of there being any kind of season. And they don't want to just pull the plug on the whole season in April. Yeah, and the biggest reason for that is money. Because they have a TV contract. And with, with most sports, the money is in the TV contract for the leagues. It's not in tickets. And it's really not in merchandise either. The real money that these leagues make, whether it be, you know, MLB, the NFL, NBA, you know, NHL, and I mean, WWE is not a sport, but still, it, it, for entertainment purposes and entertainment business purposes, it falls in the same category. You know, and so for all of them, you know, the, the money, the real money, is in TV. And, you know, the Olympics and the PGA Tour and all that. I mean, yeah, the, the real money is TV. So if you don't have anything on television, you know, then you're not going to get paid. I mean, that's part of the deal. You have to provide the networks with content or, you know, in this case, games, tournaments, whatever. You have to provide that for them. Or else you don't get paid. And for all of these leagues, if they don't get the TV money, they're up the creek. 
I mean, that's just reality. Right? They won't, you know, the, the players won't get paid. Or they'll have to take some really steep haircut on their salary for the year. The And then, you know, all the team employees and people who work in the league office, you know, they'll might get they will get laid off or a lot of them will get laid off because as much money as these companies bring in every year i mean a whole lot of it's going out the same door you know or going it's coming in one door and going out one door a whole lot you know a whole lot of the money like they're not sitting on piles and piles of cash that enable them to ride something out like this like they gotta have the money coming in So everyone who is not, you know, literally up against it right now to cancel something is holding out to the very end because they don't, they don't want to cancel. I mean, they, you know, if, if, and then not so much because they, you know, to you know, not have something for fans to come see, but they don't want to cancel because they need to have, they need a TV product to deliver to get their TV contract money or at least to get all of it you know they might you know they you know they might get away with you know taking a haircut for the year or something but they're going to have to deliver content in order to keep the money coming in <coughs> and if they don't if they don't you know, deliver content, they're not going to get paid, and if they don't get paid, they can't pay the players, and they can't pay the office workers, and all of that stuff. So all of these leagues are desperate to some kind of way salvage their ability to provide games, you know, wrestling shows, golf tournaments, and all of that kind of stuff. Because they got to. It's either that or get nothing. And, you know, I mean, it's real easy for us to say, well, they should just shut everything down. And honestly, yes, I think they should shut everything down. I do not think it is worth it from a, you know, public health, public safety standpoint to even try to do any of this stuff, okay? Yes, I believe every single one of them should shut it down. And I also believe that the TV networks should make some type of deal with them so that you know, they can play old tournaments, old whatever, and then you can have people Skype in from home and talk about stuff. And that's what I've said on Twitter that WWE should do. And I think all the leagues should do this. I mean, trust me, if, you know, I'm not a golf fan at all, but, when other, but if they want to run back, you know, when Tiger Woods won the Masters that first time, you know, over a weekend, you know, I'll dip in and check out a little bit of it here and there. I mean, <clears throat> I didn't actually watch it when it happened. So, yeah, I mean, I'll watch some of that. And I'm sure a lot of other people do. Will do. Even people who saw it the first time. Um, you know, if you want to... There are old NASCAR races people will watch. There are old NBA games people will watch. Old college basketball, college football games, people people will watch those things again. They, they will watch those things again. I mean, obviously you can't do, you know, five nights of that, every, you know, every week or whatever. But, 
you know, the Knights ESPN would have broadcast, you know, new baseball games. You can't, they can't play some old baseball games that happened and have some people, you know, like I said, Skype in from home and talk about it. Who Maybe people who played in the games. You can't do that. I think they should. But the problem seems to be is that the networks seem to not want that. The networks seem, from the looks of things, the networks want some type of new-ish content. So you have to give them something that is at least kind of sort of new. Or, or at least that's, they're probably saying that right now um if we're if we're still in quarantine in june or july then by then they probably will have just accepted just you know what the deal is and made a deal some to show old stuff but right now any everybody who does not have to cancel stuff is holding out hope to not cancel and that's because canceling means no money and no money doesn't just mean that the owners don't get to stuff in their pockets it means that other people don't get paid it means like I said players don't get paid wrestlers don't get paid office people don't get paid um you know um that's reality So they're going to try to make it work. They're going to try to come up with some some kind of plan. As weird and crazy as it may be, they're going to try. Because they are not trying to shut it down if they don't have to. Because, I mean, you look at some other businesses. You look at, like, you know, well, restaurants have gone to all, you know, takeout and delivery and that's the only way right now they're able to still operate or else you know they'd be in trouble you know movie theaters are in trouble AMC movie theater company is they got their credit downgraded and there's been some news stories that they may not survive this <coughs> so and you know there are people who work in the theaters people who work in whatever, whatever AMC's office looks like right I mean it's just you can't I mean it's just simply saying okay we're, we're closing it all down till this is over is going to have some real dire consequences for a lot of people so anybody who can figure out a way to stay open is trying and that you know that all of these sports leagues and you know, entertainment companies like WWE and AEW and UFC, they're all trying to figure out ways to keep going. Because, like, for example, UFC, um, they have to run a certain number of events. I think this year, like, I forgot the number, like 40 or 42 or something like that. They have to run that many events and not like big cards or whatever some of it is just like you know Saturday night fights or something or other but they have to they have to run that stuff they have to run that number of events to get all of their money from ESPN so Dana White is going to do everything he possibly can to make sure they hit that number of events so that they can get their money 
even crazy stuff like he's coming up with like having like some having a show on like a island you know mortal Kombat style <laughs> that's not even sanctioned and it's crazy and you know it shouldn't be that but he's doing that so that they can get their money <clears throat> now like I said well I feel like they should all just shut down and then the networks should all cut deals with everybody so that they can show some older stuff you know maybe pay them a discount and you know or whatever but something so that because because the networks need the content right if the, I mean, the networks the networks paying paid for the content because they need it so if there are no new games no new wrestling shows no new nothing i mean that's not good for the networks either so they're going to need something. So they're going to, I mean, it would be in their best interest to, you know, come up with some type of deal where they can show old games, old tournaments, whatever, and maybe not pay the same amount of money, but pay something so that they can have content and the leagues can make some money. I mean, that would be my preference. And I think ultimately we're going to end up there. But right now they're trying to hold on. And, well, here's the thing. Um, I think the baseball idea is crazy and ridiculous. Um, I think the, you know, whatever kind of ideas they're floating around probably for NBA games, if, it, if this is still going on in the fall, or if they want to try and finish up the playoffs, I, you know, I doubt, sincerely doubt that there's going to be a, is a workable idea there either because you got to have 10 people on the court and you know football no way you got you know 22 people on the field at the same time and a bunch of people on the sidelines that's just not gonna work you know as far as like the wrestling companies like um you know AEW and WWE I mean they've taped a bunch in the past few weeks they've taped you know empty building shows and you know at least tried to make some attempt at having as few people in there as possible. Uh, you know, I would rather they not do that. But so long as they're not having anybody in there who they know is sick, and so long as you know people like. Roman Reigns, who are immunocompromised, can say, okay, can't do this, then, you know, at the end of the day, they're adults, and they're getting paid pretty well, most of them, and I don't like it, but, you know, um, they're adults, right, uh, and, you know, same goes for AEW, they're adults, and they're getting paid. And, you know, in the case of AEW, where a lot of the people who run the company are also also wrestled on the show, you know, if they're willing to go out, if, you know, if the Cody and, you know, Kenny and all those guys, if they're willing to go out there and take that same risk, and then the other people who work there, you know, decide also to do it, again, they're, they're adults, and at least they're getting paid. Um, now, to me, the real 
problem is when it comes down to like college athletes because they're not getting paid and they're literally being in this case already being pressured by some of these coaches that you know the season needs to start and that they should be you know and, and that they can do it I mean it's just kind of ridiculous um, Mike Gundy the coach football coach at Oklahoma State said some nonsense about you know these are young men and, and they can you know they can take it they can overcome it and all that kind of stuff because I mean the idea that because they're young and healthy men that they can be out there and that they won't catch the coronavirus and if they do that they can you know they can tough it out I mean that's just ridiculous you know I mean he, he's said that uh Dabo Sweeney has said some other ridiculous kind of stuff along those lines. Yeah, and those those kids are not getting paid. <clears throat> and that's a whole different animal. There you're asking people to, you know, risk their health who are, you know, many of them, a lot of some of them are minors. They're, you know, maybe college freshmen might be 17 years old in some instances. Some are just, you know, 18 or 19. They're all under 21. And they're not getting paid a dime. You know, and they're not... And, that, you know, and that's just kind of ridiculous. You know, and then, and then, you know, the coach would be out there all, you know, masked up and everything. You know, and, um, you know, and the coaches are getting paid millions of dollars to be out there. You know, and you have players who are getting nothing. So in the case of college sports, that would be egregiously bad with no benefit of any kind to the people who are taking the biggest risk and doing doing the the labor who are, you know, the players. Yeah, I mean, I guess if there's a scale, you know, I mean, what WWE and AEW and UFC are doing is risky. What, you know, baseball, football, basketball would be doing at the professional level, what they would be doing is stupid. And, but what college sports would be doing you know, not paying these kids and asking them to go out there and take those kind of risks. I mean, that's downright diabolical. I mean, it's one thing to ask somebody to take a risk, you know, for a check. But to ask somebody to take a risk for nothing? That, that's ridiculous. That's, no, that, that's disgusting. And, you know, any of these, these coaches who are pushing that line need to be criticized. They need to get hammered for it. Because it's ridiculous. And it's disgusting. You know, and... I mean, look, one of my kids was of age to go play for one of these coaches. And they were, you know, being recruited or whatever. And I heard them come out of the mouth and something like that. Then then they'd be off the list. I mean, the only thing you should be telling... The only thing you should be saying right now is that... Hopefully when this thing dies down or is under control you know we can get back out there and if that means we gotta wait till next year then we gotta wait till next year I mean cause I mean there's no way to do there's no way to you know mitigate or minimize risk in a football game with again 22 people on the field and then a bunch of people on the sideline I understand college football like you don't have a 50 man roster or 53 man roster they might you might have a hundred people out there between the guys on the field and the guys on the sideline. Yeah, you might have a hundred people out there on each team. 
I mean, there's no, there's no safe way to do that. You know, there's no safe way to have a full baseball roster and, you know, guys in the dugout. I mean, unless you're just, I mean, well, I guess, I mean, baseball, you could, I mean, you could keep the same eight guys in the field, keep the pitchers separate from each other. I mean, you could do that technically and just not make any substitutions. I mean, you could, I mean, yes, you could do that. I'm, but... You know, like basketball, you got 10 guys on the court. And you got guys on the bench. And the, the guys on the court, the 10 guys on the court are getting up in each other's face, breathing on each other, making contact with each other, and all that kind of stuff. You can't. I mean, there's no, there's no risk mitigation you can do there. So, yeah, I mean, um, you, yeah, there's just no way. I mean, or something like NASCAR, I mean, you know, everybody's in the cars riding around. That's but you know you got the crew members on the in the pit. You know they're around each other, and you know that, and then collectively that's a whole bunch of people in that space, and that, that's not going to work either. I mean you know um, golf, you could just have got people go out with just them in the caddy and not have foursomes. I mean you could do that. I mean, tournament take forever that way, but it's not out of the question. I mean, same with tennis. You, I mean, you're on opposite sides of the court. You got the line judge. You know, no fans. You can do no fans, right? I mean, there are ways to do it, but you know, some of these things are just you just can't. And again, in a college situation or you know, amateur situation, whatever you want to call it, where you are, have kids out there who are not getting compensated in any kind of way, to have them out there taking that kind of risk is just bad or wrong on every level. I understand you want your TV money, you need your TV money, but, you know, to make that on the backs of people who are not getting paid anything, I mean, it's bad enough anyway. Under normal circumstances, it's bad. But under these circumstances, it's way worse. So, yeah, I mean, it's not the same for every sport, you know, every company or whatever. There are different circumstances for each one. They are all trying to <clears throat> keep the money. Just like, you know, every other business out here who is... who can possibly stay open and keep the money coming in, they're all trying to do it. It's just a different set of stakes, a different set of circumstances. Sports leagues and wrestling companies, you know, just different set of circumstances, different set of, you know, things. But the principle remains the same, that you have to have money coming in in order to keep the doors open and to keep paying people and all that kind of stuff. You do. Because if you don't, then you got to send people home and you can't pay people. And that's it. So, I don't know. Um, we'll see how it goes. Not as simple as it seems on paper. But some real hard decisions got to be made on all of this stuff. And so we will now take a little break here. I will come back with some more music first. And then, um, if I can, if I got some more on this topic, I'll keep it going. 
Now I'm trying to move on. All right. Alright, so that was the ward tour by Tribe Called Quest. That was from Midnight Marauders. And like I said, the, you know, the, the age-old, never-ending debate is which album was better, Midnight Marauders or Low End Theory. And honestly, I don't have an answer. Depends on what day you ask me. Uh, <clears throat> they're two different albums. They are both all-time great hip-hop albums. Have some all-time great hip-hop songs and it's just really a matter of personal preference and it, honestly like i said it depends on what day you ask me it's kind of like asking me as a youtube fan what's better joshua tree or octung baby same thing depends on what day you ask me yeah you get a different answer But Midnight Marauders was definitely, like, I guess that's where they peaked. Because from there, it was kind of all downhill. <laughs> but that was, you know, that was when they were truly at their apex. Um, I think it might have been their highest selling album. I'm not sure about that. Uh, Low End Theory did okay. I do think Midnight Marauders did better, but I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Now, Midnight Marauders was their third album. They did... Well, they did five, and then they kind of broke up, went away for a while, <clears throat> and then came back and did one more that I think they released it, like, in 2016, and, I mean, that was after one of the members, Fife, had passed away. Rest in peace, brother. So all together, you know, six albums from those guys. Lots of good work, lots of all-time great stuff there. Gonna hear some more of it later. But while I'm here, now, you know, we'll keep this uh, sports business topic going here. Because, you know, I went through a lot about how the different situations, different leagues, different companies, and everything basically basically comes down to trying to find some way to operate and keep the money coming in. <clears throat> because if there's no money coming in, or if the only money you have coming in is, you know, merchandise, that's not enough to keep everything moving. So now what this is, this is really just a kind of microcosm of our economy as a whole at least here in the United States <clears throat> because you know everything is dependent on some you know the next guy in the chain having some money to pay you know everything depends on that 
everything is counting on that. And without that, you know, if you take one link of the chain out, you know, because they don't have any money, then the whole thing comes crashing down. So now what we're looking at here now, we're not even looking at, you know, one link in the chain here, we're looking at the whole chain being broke. And that's that's the real problem. And you just heard some cars moving and some car radios. I am walking outside right now while I'm doing this part. Trying to get my last bit of exercise in while nobody's really out here. You know, going to exercise you've got to do the social distancing thing people can't be all up in everybody's face while you're doing it so if you're lucky enough to have a home gym work out at home if not you know the other gyms are all closed so you got to find some way to get something in and do your social distancing that's what i'm doing now walking outside that's why you hear cars hear car radios all that kind of stuff in the background But like I was saying, you know, the sports leagues kind of predicament is just it's a microcosm of our whole system. Our whole system is dependent on there being money at every link in the chain. And what we're having right now is we're having multiple links with no money. And that's, you know, that's dictating, you know, all kinds of decisions that are being made <clears throat> by the people who run the companies. Like I said before, every company, they can find a way to stay open and keep some money coming in is doing it. Because the option is close your doors furlough and lay people off now some companies are still paying people or have agreed to pay you know at least for a few weeks or something like that um that's not sustainable over six months i mean i'm gonna keep it real with you all right and that's not to give people a pass but no, it is not sustainable to pay everybody for another six months while you have no money coming in. I mean, you know, I don't care how rich your company is, it's just not a thing that's gonna happen. You know, what, what worries me really is that <clears throat> the pressure to, you know, get money coming in or get money moving in so many different corners it's going to lead to some bad decisions that's my concern that's my big worry because I mentioned the AMC movie theaters just may not survive this and movie theaters were already kind of in a bad way because just the nature of how people are watching movies has changed so much because you know you have your big you still have your big tent pole movies you know like the Marvel stuff and the other Disney stuff and you know when 
you know, DC manages to do one correctly and get a hit or, you know, or, you know, some other studios, you know, have their, you know, isolated big hits there. Now, you still have those, but, you know, anything that's kind of marginal now as far as whether or not people want to go see it, actually go to a theater and go watch it. A lot of those things are losing out now and they have been for a while yeah and then the kind of go to the movies just for the sake of going to the movies has diminished significantly so I means so they've been hurting for a while as it is and now we have a situation where nobody's going to any movie anyway so the theaters are literally making no money and they're all closed. And they can't pay anybody. You know, that's also true with uh, comedy clubs. Actually, on another episode of Bomani's show, he had comedian uh, Roy Wood Jr as a guest and they were talking about that that you know comedy clubs are really hurting right now too for the same reason because <clears throat> there's nobody going <laughs> because they're all closed you know because of the coronavirus and nobody's going and now unlike sports leagues you know comedy shows are entirely dependent on the gate you know, the tickets. So, you know, they, they literally got nothing. They don't have anything coming from anywhere right now. And some of those places are not going to make it unless, again, I mean, the landlords have to give them a break on rent for the next six months or whatever. I mean, that's where we are. I mean, so many different, again, there's the links in the chain. You know, there are the people who rent the space to do business. They can't pay their rent because they're not making any money. So the people who loan the money are kind of stuck. They either have to evict people unless, you know, unless you're in one of the states where they've put a hold on that. <coughs> but... If you're not, then they have to decide to either just start evicting folks or just kind of sit there and not get paid for a while. So, you know, landlords aren't getting paid. People who rent the space to do business aren't getting paid because they're not open. And because they don't have, they're not bringing any money, the employees or slash performers are not getting paid either. And our system is essentially set up on there always being money at every link in the chain. And that if you can't get it from whoever is your tenant or customer today, that you can just get it from somebody else. Right now, everybody's broke. And that's, you know, that's a problem. Like, everybody's broke. 
you know, that's just gonna, it puts us as a society at a point where we have to decide, you know, how we're gonna be going forward. Because, you know, right now we're not set up to handle this. I mean, and, you know, there are other countries already where they've, you know, decided that until this is over, you know, no evictions, no foreclosures, and they're going to give people money. And that's the kind of thing we seem to be hung up on here, is the whole giving people money part. Because we kind of have a belief, at least some people do, that, you know, that just giving people money is basically welfare. And welfare is a, it's not, well, it's not literally a four-letter word, but for a lot of people it is. It's, it's figuratively a four-letter word <clears throat> because it implies that you're getting a handout that you didn't earn. And there are a lot of underlying reasons that that mentality has become part of the course with a lot of people. One of those reasons is racism. <laughs> That's probably the biggest reason. And trust me, we can do a whole show on that. But that's where it is. And we're kind of at a state in too many people's minds where just giving people money to ride this out we need it is just hard to too hard to contemplate too hard to understand too hard to make sense of too hard to accept and we really really do as a society need to change the way we think about that because what happens next time something like this happens right um you know the idea is supposed to be that we as a society keep ourselves afloat and <clears throat> particularly when some mass just disaster is going on like this here right this is not a thing where you know a few people you know were reckless or whatever and are broke now and we're talking millions of people filing for unemployment now through something that, you know, is largely not their fault. And we as a society, at least here in the United States, we haven't really, you know, wrapped our heads around dealing with that kind of thing.
you know, while the other politicians are arguing over it and that kind of stuff. I mean, there, but there are people who vote for politicians who don't believe that. <clears throat> I mean, it's easy to blame the politicians and say that, you know, they don't care about the people, this, that, and the other. It's, it's easy to do that. But, you know, politicians get in the office because people vote for them. And those people who vote for them have their own certain philosophies about things like giving people money. So yeah, the people in office do deserve some blame for the decisions they make and the way they vote on stuff, legislation and whatnot. But behind those people in office, you know, is us. So we as a society deserve some heat too. Because right now, we're in a situation that absolutely needs to be handled in a different way than we've handled anything in a long time. You know, we have to be open to that and to not dismiss, you know, the things that have been untried here as just stuff that can't be done. Because otherwise we're going to be in situations where people all over are going to be making that decision whether or not to risk their life to go back to work. And not people who provide, you know, quote unquote essential services, right? <coughs> um, and that's going to be an issue. So yeah, before you put the easy blame where it can go, you know, we also got to take a look in the mirror. Now, is it worth it to evict or foreclose on millions and millions of people because we didn't just want to give them money? Or we didn't just want to, you know, put a moratorium on their rent or their foreclosure, right? I mean, that's what it comes down to. What do we want to do? How do we want to do it? Because right now we got, you know, we got big problems here right now. And they're being reflected everywhere. comes down to, you know, what kind of people do we want to be? What kind of, you know, what kind of society do we want to have? How do we want to treat each other? Right? Comes down to all of that. You know, and the idea that, you know, people, if you have it good, then it must be because you earned it. That's not true. <clears throat> I mean, yes, there are people who work really hard. There are people who have, you know, made big sacrifices to get where they are. Who have, you know, put in time and effort and all of that type of thing. 
And there are also people who have not had the opportunity to do those things for a bunch of different reasons. So they're in a different place. And, you know, do we want to help those people when the, when the need arises? You know, do we want to help those people from not being just up the creek if something bad like this happens? Or are we going to sit here and go on and on about, you know, they don't deserve it, right? I mean, that's the choice we got to make <clears throat> as a society. That's the choice we got to make. And that's all there is to it. I mean, really, it's decision time. What do we want to do? And when you decide what you think we ought to do, well, yeah, you got to make it then. Come November, you got a choice to make. And you know, you should choose according to what you believe. You should choose you know, according to what you think is right. But if you don't think if you don't think things are being handled right today, then you shouldn't go out and vote for the people who aren't handling it right. You, know, you gotta see where people really stand that are in office, that are running for office. You gotta find out that find out for yourself. And make a decision accordingly. Because you know, we got big tasks ahead of us here. As a country, as a society, as humanity, really. Big task ahead of us. What are we gonna do? That's the real question. What are we gonna do? Don't tell me how you feel. You know, show me what you're gonna do. What are we gonna do? And that concludes the uh, sermon on this topic. <laughs> I will move on, I promise. I'll take a little break here, get some more music, and Then get on to something else. <laughs> something a little less heavy. A little more frivolous, maybe. Just creep on by. I get a thought and here comes my tribe. 
Ritual shakes and in good vibes. Like always, the quest begins. In the mist, though, but the rhythms move in. We find a spot and we sit and chat. Speaking on the status quo rap. A Daryl makes a real old speech. We pay attention to the words he read. When he was done, we rattled on. There was no rush because it wasn't dawn. Pointed things out about these times. The famines and the crazy crimes. Inflation of the nation involves me. I better go cold to pay the taxes. Gotta be Swiss society. The man who's made is the man who maxes. The grounds for living are being discussed. As we go, it gets close to dusk. Gather thoughts and save a breath. Cause there's only a few hours left. All right, that was After Hours. That's kind of a deep cut off their first album. Uh, People's Instinctive Travels and the Path of Rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> really long title there. But that was, yeah, that was their first album. You know, they had a few hits off of that one. Can I Kick It, which I think I opened up with. Uh, Benito Applebaum, Left My Ball and El Segundo. You know, but they had a lot of other kind of tracks on there that, didn't you know get the airplay or whatever like after hours a few other ones like uh footprints is one of the one i like i'm definitely you know you definitely want to check that one out album out too i mean everybody talks about low end theory and midnight marauders but uh, the first album is also really good and yeah i definitely recommend you checking that one out too and now um you know so i've gone on for a long time about some you know serious stuff did some you know my usual pontificating and all that kind of thing and uh so i figured i had time to do something uh maybe not quite as heavy i know i can get that way sometimes but you know it just got me thinking you know that we're not having any basketball playoffs this year and well that's actually <laughs> a normal kind of thing for me because i'm a knicks fan so I'm kind of used to not having any basketball playoffs. We haven't, I think we've been there once in like the last 10 years or so. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's been really bad. Um, I think ever since they made the finals at 99 and, you know, and since then it's, it's been, it's been pretty slim pickings. Um, you know, they traded away Patrick Ewing I mean, even though, like, I mean, that like Patrick was washed at that time. But it was kind of a bad omen, you know, because they traded him and, you know, they got worse. Because, you know, supposedly he was, you know, holding the rest of them back because he, you know, had slowed down and gotten older and all that stuff. So, they, you know, they traded him and they didn't get any better. They got worse. And... You know, they overpaid a bunch of folks that they were kind of bidding against themselves, like, you know, Allen Houston. And uh, that's the main one. I mean, they they literally had no competitor for Allen Houston, and they paid him like $100 million anyway, which is like ridiculous. You know, and then after that, they were just bad for, you know, then came the, you know, Carmelo Anthony era made the playoffs maybe like once or twice I think, and you know they I mean they 
could have gotten him as a free agent if they had just waited a few months, but they insisted on getting him before that season was up, and they traded a bunch of stuff that they didn't need to trade for him. So, you know, it ultimately didn't work out. And then ever since, you know, they moved him on, they've been bad. I mean, they had a... You know, Prazingis for a while, he, he's a good player, but he didn't want to stay, so they sent him off to Dallas, and now here we are. They, they, we, they stink. And they were missing the playoffs this year anyway, so not having any playoffs really is no different than how it usually is for the Knicks lately. Yeah, I just, you know, as a fan, of a Knicks fan, I just miss those days of the 90s and the playoffs runs against the Bulls and you know, of course now they're just going to have that documentary of the last Bulls championship team on ESPN soon but I, yeah, I remember those those playoff series and just how heated they were and just how fired up we were as fans to just take it to Chicago and try to beat them and, and those teams were just they you know they had good players, but they were all heart and fire. I mean, like, you know, Patrick and Charles Oakley and John Starks in particular, but also Anthony Mason. You know, even, you know, guys like Greg Anthony, Doc Rivers was on those teams. Well, he was on one of them, but they, they traded him and for Derek, and they got Derek Harper. You know, and then they had some good guys. They went, you know, they had some really heated games with the Bulls. I mean, they were in, I mean, for me, those were the days. Those were the best days. Even though they, even though they never won a championship with that group, even though they, you know, didn't beat the Bulls in the playoffs until Michael was out that year. To me, that was, I mean, those were, those were the best of times as a Knicks fan. That, and then, you know, they, you know, while they were squaring off with the Bulls, they also had another, you know, kind of rivalry going with Indiana and Reggie Miller. You know, and it's funny because, like, for me, Reggie Miller was probably going to be number one. You know, I mean, I mean, the Bulls collectively were, like, they were an adversary. They were an obstacle to, you know, winning championship. But, I mean, it was really hard to, like, you know, to hate Michael because Jordan, because he was just so good. You kind of had to begrudgingly give him your respect you know as an opponent of your team but like Reggie Miller was just oh man he was just annoying and irritating and just running his mouth you know above and beyond you know his how, how good of an actual player he was I mean he got a lot of mileage out of a couple of playoff games at Madison Square Garden <clears throat> like if you ask me, you know, you know, overrated Hall of Famers, um, he he's super high on the list. I mean, again, he he compiled a bunch of points. I mean, so yeah, okay, but you know, not for those two playoff games in Madison Square Garden, the one where he had like twenty five in the fourth quarter, and oh man, that was just yeah. I remember going to bed early because. Like, the Knicks were up by a lot. And look, that game was in the bag, and I was tired. So I went to bed early. And then I woke up the next day, found out that 
they lost and that Reggie had 25 in the fourth quarter and they showed a clip of him looking over at Spike Lee and, you know, making a choke sign and all that stuff. And, oh, man, that was the worst. You know, then another game was when, you know, he fouled Greg Anthony, knocked him to the ground and stole the ball and the ref didn't call it. You know, he got like, what, eight points in eight seconds. And, you know, three of those were on what should have been a foul. Yeah, I'm still mad about that, Reggie. Okay, Reggie, you, you suck, dude. For real. But, you know, though, you know, those those were those were the best days as a Knicks fan for me. I mean, since then I mean, yeah, I mean the the last trip they made to the finals was a really cool year when but unfortunately like Patrick got injured in the Eastern Conference Finals and couldn't play in the finals and so they had to, you know, take on Duncan and Robinson with Marcus Camby and nobody else down low. You know, because they had traded Oakley to get Camby at that point. So I mean that was I mean that was a cool year in itself. But you know, the middle part of the decade when they were going at it with Chicago tooth and nail, that I mean that was some good stuff, man. It was. And uh, you know, that's worth if they ever show any of those games on like NBA TV or ESPN or something. I mean, it's it's worth your time to stop and look if you didn't see them the first time. Because man, it was just great stuff. You know, and you know, Patrick has become one, I think, <clears throat> one of the most underrated players because, you know, he just, he scored a whole lot of points. He, you know, got grabbed a whole lot of rebounds. They made some deep playoff runs. He was a great outside shooter. But it's just kind of like he didn't have the flash or the flair that, like, Elijah Wan had, or, you know, David Robinson, and he didn't just overpower everybody like, you know, Shaquille O'Neal and all that kind of stuff, so he just kind of gets overlooked a lot, you know, when people are talking about the great centers in NBA history, but he's right up there, he, belo- you know, he, he's in the Hall of Fame, and he absolutely belongs there, and he had a Hall of Fame college career also at Georgetown, I mean, he was just a monster on defense at Georgetown. That's when I first saw him play. At Georgetown, uh, when they won the championship, and then the next year they lost to Villanova in the finals. Uh, so, got a long history with Patrick. And he's coaching at Georgetown now. You know, hoping he can turn that thing around. But yeah, Patrick, I mean, he... Him, I mean, he deserves more praise than he gets as a basketball player, for sure. And I wish he got more than he did. You know, and look, had they gotten just one championship ring, then he probably would get more praise, you know, because you know how that goes. The ring is most important to so many people now and not... You know what you do over the course of your career. Um, I mean, it's a good thing for guys like Elgin Baylor that he wasn't playing during this era because he never won a ring. But that's not held against them because of when he played. I mean, he played you know what sixties and seventies, and yeah. But you can go read up on how great Elgin Baylor was, but he never got a ring. 
Now, and if he had been playing during, you know, any time after like 1985, that would be considered a serious detriment on his career. And it's kind of ridiculous because in getting a, there's so many things that go into getting a, a ring, a championship ring in any sport. But in his case, uh, one of the problems was they had to deal with the Celtics. They got to the finals. And he was with the Lakers. And so, you know, they would get to the finals. They'd have to deal with the Lakers. Or, I'm sorry, deal with the Celtics. He was a Laker. Duh. And then on the off chance the Celtics were not there, then it was like, you know, you know, some other great team like uh, maybe Philadelphia with, with Chamberlain. I'm not sure, but they lost a bunch of Andre Baylor and Jerry West lost a bunch lost a bunch of times to the Celtics, and then later on they had Wilt Chamberlain with them, and they they lost to the Celtics again. You know, I mean, so it's just. Um, you know, bad luck, really. Just he got stuck playing during the same era as one of the all-time greatest collections of talent on one team. Of course, that's what you know happened with a lot of people who were playing when Mike was playing. That once once the Bulls became a championship team, um, you know, they a lot of people got shut out <laughs> because of them. I mean, the, you know, Patrick Ewing didn't get any rings because they couldn't get through Chicago. You know, Reggie Miller didn't get any. Uh, you know, Carl Malone and John Stockton were denied. You know, I mean, Elijah Wan finally got his two, but, you know, one of those that, you know, Michael was not playing that year and the other one he had come back at the end of the season was, Rusty and didn't make they didn't make it to the finals. So I mean Elijah Wan just got a lucky break in between the two Bulls three peat teams. And I mean same thing for Clyde Drexler. He you know he went to Houston during the second year and Houston won the title and so he, he got his ring then but he couldn't get past Mike either. You know, just so many guys they just oh Charles Barkley, you know, same thing. You know, he was affiliate, he lost to the Bulls in the playoffs. He was in Phoenix. They lost to the Bulls in the finals. You know, just, you know, Mike denied a lot of people the same way that the Celtics denied a lot of people. And if you're one of those people that got denied, you know, that doesn't mean you're any worse of a player. It's not your fault to some degree. But, you know, it's what it is. You know, and unfortunately, this NBA season getting the plug put on it like did I mean we were denied a chance to see if LeBron would be able to get a ring in LA? Um, I mean, it was, I wouldn't say they were the favorites, but you know they were in a really good position to pull it off. And it's kind of unfortunate that we won't get to see that taken to its conclusion. As far as where LeBron fits in all time, you know I don't know. I mean. One of the problems with talking about LeBron is that, you know, he has a you know pretty vocal section of detractors that basically tear down, tear him down at the least little thing that you know doesn't go right for him, or the least little thing where where maybe he doesn't do great 
and then on the other side, there's a you know, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of people who take it too far, too far in the other direction, right? And so it's really hard to have a real conversation about LeBron. Um, I would say that he's one of the few people, you know, a handful of guys in NBA history who was just kind of a, you know, physical anomaly. I mean, they're all tall guys and everything, but yeah, just a combination of size and athletic ability. Like, there just aren't that many guys who are just kind of freaks of nature. I mean, basketball, NBA players are freaks of nature anyway, just for being you know, anywhere from six five to seven feet tall and having that kind of agility and all of that. But I mean above and beyond that, I mean there's like some guys who are just anomalies for NBA, among NBA players. And he's one of them. Like, you know, Will Chamberlain was one of them. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal one of them. I'd say Magic Johnson. Right, these I mean these are guys who just had just you know, body types or a combination of size and agility and just athleticism that put them, that set them apart from all the other great athletes in the NBA, right? But like those four guys, LeBron is one of four guys really. I mean, you know, there might be a few more if I sit down and think about it longer. But, you know, he's just an anomaly in so many different ways just to be six foot nine and to be as big as he is and be able to, you know, well, he's not in his prime anymore, but when he was in his prime, he could just run the floor and just cover so much ground on defense, blocking shots, getting back on defense, steals, all kinds of stuff. And it's kind of hard to really get a real accurate, you know, take on where he is all time. I mean, I, he's somebody that, you know, if I was starting a team in any era, he'd be one of the first people I would pick. Um, if I was starting a team anytime within you know, the last 15 years, he'd probably be the first person I picked. You know, because other people like Steph Curry is a better shooter. Steph Curry is not six nine, could not run the floor, and didn't have that kind of wingspan. Could, could not do all the things that LeBron could do. You know, neither could Dwayne Wade or you know Chris Paul, or even I mean, I'd say even Kobe. I mean, as great as Kobe was, I mean LeBron is just. As a physical specimen basketball player and just raw talent, you know, I think LeBron was better than him. You know, so there just aren't too many people I would take over him if I were starting a team from scratch. You know, you know but we'll probably get a better sense of how, you know, just great he was after he's finished. And we don't have to judge him in real time against a bunch of internet chatter and a bunch of, against, you know, a bunch of people like, you know, Skip Bayless making just hot takes for, you know, attention and all of that stuff. But hopefully, 
you know, when things get back to normal, get back going again. Hopefully the Lakers will be good. Hopefully he'll get to, you know, make make a deep playoff run again, or at least one or two more times before he's finished. And we get a few more chances to see just how great he is in the, on the biggest stage and, and, you know, at the highest level. But, I mean, he really has been just a phenomenal player all this time. So this, this concludes your edition of Basketball Talk. Uh, <laughs> you know, I will, you know, revisit the subject some other time. Got, you know, fan stories just, you know, about the Knicks or some other games I watched or, you know, something, you know, that kind of stuff. But I just figured I'd just kind of change direction a little bit after getting so heavy for a while. All right, so I'm going to come back, hit a little more music for you, and then we will keep this party going. That was one of the big hits from Midnight Marauders for Tribe Called Quest. And we're back here for a couple more segments before I call it a week. And I mentioned before that uh, you know, I was a guest on the Nerdicons podcast talking about the Batman movie from 1989. That episode is up now. And again, it's called Nerdicons, all one word, N-E-R-D-I-C-O-N-S. Uh, you can, they're on Anchor and some of the other places where you can listen to podcasts and all. So, you know, we had a good time talking about that. And it was really cool for me because, you know, Batman was my first and is still my favorite superhero. I've, you know, seen all the cartoons and TV shows. I read a bunch of the comic books. Um, you know, I've seen all the movies he's been in as a character, you know, all that stuff. Now, as far as, you know, more present day kind of thing, I do wish that things had gone better with the whole Zack Snyder DC thing, movie thing, and that we could have gotten a, you know, a proper 
Batman film with Affleck as the lead. I thought he did a really good job. But unfortunately that didn't happen. So we're getting the new film coming out. Well, we don't know when it's going to come out now because they were, they were in the midst of filming when all the coronavirus stuff happened or started to happen. So they had to shut down production. And, you know, who knows when they're going to pick it back up. So it's going to you know, be a while. I think it was supposed to come out next year sometime. But who knows, it might be 2022 now. Uh, who knows? But still looking forward to it. Hoping it'll be good. Uh, I am encouraged that they did not have, the, the Joker is not one of the villains. <laughs> because you know, for me, I mean, it's just been done too many times now. It's too many times. And not that, you know, people haven't done a great job, you know, 90% of the time. The other one I really wasn't really that into was, you know, Jared Leto. Um, I didn't hate it, but, I mean, it was kind of too, doing too much. He was trying to be too different with it, you know, for me. You know, I, and after having watched, you know, Suicide Squad a few times, yeah, I mean, his rendition was just a little, doing a little too much for me. But, look, I mean, Jack Nicholson did great. Heath Ledger did great. I did not see the Joker movie that was out last year with Joaquin Phoenix, but, I mean, he did win a, a Oscar for it. So, clearly people recognize it as being a good job or, or an excellent job. And, you know, look, I even, you know, you can go back to the old, Adam West TV show with Cesar Romero, he you know, he did a great job in his own way that kind of goes unrecognized or underrecognized now. You know, and then of course this wasn't live action, but on the animated series, Mark Hamill did just an outstanding job as the voice actor for the Joker. So there have been, you know, multiple great portrayals of that one character. And I'm really happy that they won't be adding, they won't be doing another one for a while yet. Because, you know, I mean, there are other great Batman villains that can be put into movies and on TV or whatever. I think in, the, in this new one with Robert Pattinson, they're going to have the Penguin and the Riddler. And and they've both been in movies before, but you know, they're both due for a revisit, I think. That would be you know, I, that'd be fine. I mean I didn't care for Batman Returns. I mean but you know, Batman Forever where Jim Carrey played the Riddler was a you know, it was kind of like a guilty pleasure of mine. A lot of people don't like it. I enjoy watching it still. And, you know, but it's good to me that <clears throat> yeah, no Joker this time coming up. Let's, you know, let's, let's get into some other villains here and play around and see what we can do. As far as patents and playing Batman, you know, well, I've said this on the Nerdicon podcast, I believe, and I'll say it again here. Uh, we'll see. 
you know, look, I was not on board with Michael Keaton. You know, at the time, Michael Keaton was cast to play the role. He had been a comedic actor. He'd been Mr. Mom and Johnny Dangerously and, you know, movies like that. And not in anything, like, serious. Or at least not on that level, anyway. So, yeah, I was really skeptical of him then. And he, you know, he did a very good job. I was skeptical of Ben Affleck, and I thought he did great. So... You know, I am somewhat skeptical of Pattinson here because, you know, I only know him from being in those Twilight movies. You know, I didn't, I didn't see any of them, but that's all I know him from being in. And, you know, the idea of casting him as Batman, eh, but we'll see. You know, I'm not going to dump on it before it actually comes out. And hopefully it'll be sooner than later. As far as other stuff is coming up, I was uh, I was really looking forward to Black Widow and Wonder Woman, and they're both well. They're going to try to get Wonder Woman out in August. I still just don't see it happening. You know, Black Widow got moved to November. That's you know it's not out of the question. Of course, I don't know if I'm going to be quite ready to go into a movie theater in November. That's 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 a whole other problem. Um, I, I might have to leave that to the rest of y'all, and I might, you know, just have to wait till this thing is more in a better place, you know, with this coronavirus and all. So, yeah. So, Black Widow might be coming out in November to the theater, but I may not be seeing it until next spring. <laughs> For real. I don't know how y'all feel about sitting in the movie theaters right now, but I'm not trying to do it. And I'm not going to be ready to run out there as soon as they open back up. Because I you know, kind of had the feeling that they're going to try to open this stuff back up sooner than they should. So, yeah, I think me in a the movie theater, you know, we, that might be a wait till 2021 kind of situation. So, y'all have fun with <laughs> that. Definitely not if you're, I'm definitely not going to a movie theater in August if, if they open back up by then. That, that, Ain't happening, bro. I mean, that's all y'all right there. Good luck with that. You know, one thing I would like to get around to seeing is the Birds of Prey movie. I didn't get around. I wanted to see it at the theater. Didn't get a chance to. It's like on demand now. Uh, so I might, might give that a go. I'm here. Here, I mean, you know, look, I got nothing but time. You know, I mean, really, we got nothing but time right now. So, other than that, you know, it's all on the superhero front. Uh, and I think I said before, I will be on Nerdicons again, and. We'll be doing some more Batman stuff there. And so you'll get a chance to hear us talk about that there. And, you know, I'll dig into more superhero stuff here sometimes when I get a chance. But right now, we're almost out of time. Got one more song to play for you. 
one more break to take and then that'll be it for this week uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry do have just you know some Wrestlemania stuff to touch on just briefly and then we'll call it a week alright so be right back So step off the Frankfurter. Yo, Fife, you remember that routine? That we used to make spiffy like Mr. Clean? Um, um, a tidbit, um, a spidget. I don't get the message, so you got to okay. run the pitch. You're on point, Fife. All the time, Tip. You're on point, Fife. All the time, Tip. You're on point, Fife. All the time, Tip. But then grab the microphone and let your words rip. Now here's a funky introduction of how nice I am. Tell your mother, tell your father, send a telegram. I'm like an energizer, cause you see I last long. My crew is never, ever whack because we stand strong. Now if you say my style is racket, swear you're dead wrong. I slay that body and El Segundo, then push it along. You be a fool to reply the fight is not the man. Cause you know, and I know, that you know who I am. A special shout out piece goes out to all my pals, you see. And a middle finger goes for all you punk seats. Cause I love it when you whack them, see, despise me. They get vexed, I will next, cause none can test me. I'm just a fight and see who's proper three and very brave. On top remaining, no home training, cause I misbehave. I come correct and full effect of all my holes in check. And before I get the butt, the gym must be a wreck. You see, my aura's positive, I don't promote no junk. See, I'm far from a bully and I ain't a punk. Extremity of rhythm, yeah, that's what you heard. So just clean out your ears and just check the word. Check the time. All right, that was uh, Check the Rhyme from Low End Theory. Another one of their pro- biggest hits. And uh, I was talking a little Batman stuff a few minutes ago. And uh, staying on that, I watched the uh, Birds of Prey movie today. Because I had not caught it at the theaters. Kind of wish I wanted to. And But I finally got around to watching it today. Uh, my kind of snap judgment is that um okay yeah I mean on a fully objective scale I would say it's good but not great uh, my own kind of just personal preferences I'd say it was okay and I guess the things that kind of irked me or that didn't really work for me was, first of all, it was like just insanely violent, like just, you know, if, if you, you know you got a kind of soft stomach for that kind of stuff, then I mean there there there's some real head turning moments in this thing. You know, it's not your typical superhero movie violence. You know, where it's you know fist fights and 
kicks and stuff. I mean, it, it, this stuff, I mean, there was some real violent stuff going on here. And if that's not your cup of tea, then, you know, it's probably going to kind of bug you the way it kind of bugged me. Now, other than that, I mean, the acting was really good throughout. I mean, it just, I mean, you know, Margot Robbie did continue where she left off as Harley Quinn. Did a good job. Thought Rosie Perez was really good as Renee Montoya. Nick Journey Smollett I thought was great as Black and Canary. You know, I thought uh, Ewan McGregor did a great job as Black Mask. So, I mean, I mean, lots of just really good acting going around all the way through. And, you know, the last 30 minutes or so, it really picked up and really got going. And, you know, I really got into that. But, you know, there were some stretches in the lead up where, you know, I just, I didn't fall asleep. You know, I didn't, you know, zone out. But it just kind of felt like, okay, where are we getting with all this? Now, all that being said, I mean, there, I mean, there are people who, you know, who, you know, opinions I trust on movies and stuff who loved the hell out of it and loved it to death. So, this is kind of one of those don't take my word for it really kind of things where if you hadn't seen it yet and you were really were interested in seeing it, I would say go ahead and watch it and you know, you'll probably you'll probably like it. Okay, there are just some things that didn't work for me, and um, you know, there are a lot of f bombs just all throughout. You know, and um, you know, I don't mind a little profanity right now, but it. I mean, it, it got to the point of being just gratuitous. You know, and it's like like a Tarantino movie kind of thing almost. I just thought, you know, some of it was just not necessary. It wasn't really necessary to do all that. But, you know, I mean, the, the, the profanity and I think just the nature of some of the violence is what got it the R rating. And to be honest, I think, you know, in a comic book movie, you know, I, you can count me among those who doesn't think that's the way to go. And I think I think it actually did cost them at the box office because, you know, a lot of Harley Quinn fans are, you know, teenage girls, and you pretty much cut out a lot of that audience at the theater by doing an R-rated movie. So I think they kind of shot themselves in the foot there. But you know that's. Kind of the downside to, you know, letting the, I guess the director or whoever wrote it have like the whole, you know, full artistic vision is that, you know, too many times, especially with these kind of comic book kind of movies, you have directors who, you know, people, you know, will accuse them of, you know, hating their characters sometimes because of the way that they do these movies if you leave them to their own devices. Because, I mean, it really does seem a lot of times like 
the uh, directors just feel like they just have to do something different. And I think that's the difference, really, like with the Marvel stuff and the MCU there. You know, it's kind of a centralized machine. And Kevin Feige, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, but he is the central figure in charge. There is, you know, one vision, one track, and the directors are brought in to drive the train basically and you know they're now you know they're allowed to drive the train kind of in their own way but they're still driving the train they're not you know they're not just handed the keys to a car and said okay drive off wherever you want to go you know so I mean, that on the one hand that that is kind of what leads some people to say that Marvel movies are, you know, formulaic or what have you. But it also makes sure that it it maximizes their success and it maximizes their overall likability. Because, I mean, if you look at all of their movies, um, there have only been one or two where the general public was just like, eh, it wouldn't do it. Most of the time, the general public at least thinks they were, you know, a, a good enough way to spend two hours of your time. <laughs> like, you, you you don't see the, you know, general public ever act, talking as if, you know, that was two hours of their life they can't get back. Whereas... You know, particularly with DC stuff, it's just kind of an up and down thing. And it's one thing for like, you know, film snobs or, you know, people on social media or make YouTube videos and whatnot. It's just one thing for them to be kind of, you know, far into the angry zone about a movie. Because, I mean, that happens pretty often. But when the general public is just not too hot on it or, you know, thinks it's too weird... Or, you know, you're doing too much. Then that's a problem. And for me, I think this is one of those where, you know, the general public, I mean, there are people who really love this movie, Birds of Prey. But, you know, there are some people who don't. You know, or just, or don't love it as much as the people who do. I guess you can count me as one of those people. Now, Metal Roman, look, I mean, wasn't, I wouldn't call it a waste of time, right? I mean, even if you end up, I'll tell you this, even if you watch it and end up not liking it, I would not call it a waste of time. I would say that it is worth the time to watch to see if you do like it. You know, and then, you know, the misgivings aside that I have had about it, I would watch another movie with them. If, you know, if they do a sequel, which unfortunately, you know, I, it didn't make enough money to guarantee that, you know, somebody's going to have to do a hell of a sales pitch to justify getting a sequel made or they're going to have to make a whole ton of money through, you know, on demand and DVDs and all that stuff to, you know, just kind of justify a sequel. 
if they if they get one greenlit, I would absolutely go see another movie with those characters. I mean, I thought they all did a great job. I just didn't like some of the points and directions that the movie itself went in in some areas. Now, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, I watched Ford vs. Ferrari, fell asleep. And again, that was a very highly critically acclaimed movie. <laughs> thought, people thought it was really good. And I'm not even saying it was bad. It's just, it, it didn't work for me. Yeah, nah. I was, and I saw Black Klansman a few weeks ago. And I think I did talk about that on one of my previous episodes. And I wrote a review for Black Klansman on my website, which is Rob's A Genius, all one word, dot com. So you can go there and you can find it, you can read it, and see what I thought. And actually, I am going to write a review for the uh, Birds of Prey movie, so that'll be there probably sometime in the next few days. And as far as movies go, uh, I think that is it. Um, I did get a chance to rewatch Rise of Skywalker, and yeah, I, in my review I wrote, I said it was good. I continue to agree with. I have my changed my opinion on that. I know a lot of people did not like the fact that um, basically they didn't they didn't subscribe. They didn't they didn't take up any of the fan fiction theories that were being thrown out there. A lot of people didn't like that. And it just that that kind of soured people on things. In a lot of cases, uh, my opinion on fan fiction is that you know it it's not something that filmmakers should pay attention to. You know they're they're not there to make a specific movie to your tastes. They're there to tell a story that they have in mind as best as they can. So from that standpoint, I, you know, I will continue to say it, it was a good movie. You know, it was the original trilogy just had a certain magic for me because of when I saw it in my life and all of that kind of stuff. It did nothing's ever going to measure up to that, as far as you know, for me. But you know, there, I mean, there, there have been movies after that, Star Wars movies that, that are absolutely good movies. And it honestly, if, you know, if I was being totally objective, you know, I might even say they were better than some of the original trilogy. But, yeah, I'm not objective on that one. Sorry. <laughs> Just not. I mean, it is what it is. We got opinions. We all got opinions. And hopefully, you know, next year when I start going to the movie theater again, you know, I'll have some more opinions. Otherwise, I'll just have to develop opinions on stuff that I watch at home here for the first time. Now we're doing movie talk. <laughs> so, one more song for you, then a few minutes on WrestleMania, and then we'll be out.
levels of the party who create the just cessation. Mind is a bit of different information. Microphone is on, so I cross communication. Mogul at the party, then you got the mogulation. Midnight Marauders. Don't think it was a single at any point, but it's one of the many great songs on there. And again, rest in peace to Fife. That's what you heard at the end with the great line Jordan with the mic, want to gamble. And I'd say that I would hit a little bit of WrestleMania stuff here at the end, even though I did talk about it at length in two separate you know, episodes about WrestleMania. Just uh, to be brief here, it was definitely a unique show this year. There were no fans in the building. And that made for just a different kind of experience. They've been doing that for the last several weeks. But doing it, you know, on the biggest show of the year is a whole different animal. And I guess for me, in a lot of ways, they're better off for that uh, this time. Because, you know, there's an added element. The, the kind of in-match trash talking between the people in the ring is enhanced, you know, when you don't have a crowd drowning it out. And that was really good. And in the uh, two, you know, what they call cinematic matches, they had the, the uh, Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match. I mean, I think I said this on the other episodes, but, you know, having those in the stadium on a big screen where people got to sit and watch for 20 minutes. Yeah, I don't think it goes over the same way. And then, you know, if they had done the usual thing, had WrestleMania one day and had, you know, two of those matches on the same card on the same night, yeah, I don't think that would have went so well. So the format this year was one that enhanced a lot of the stuff they were doing. All in all, I think it, it worked out. And I think it's one of the better, definitely one of the better WrestleMania shows. And, you know, I think it's going to hold up over time. You know, the, the best matches on the show were really good. There were some really great entertainment kind of moments also. So if you are so inclined, I would, you know, definitely worth checking out. You know, if you have a way of doing that. <laughs> you know, and... If not, then you know they hey they sell they still sell DVDs so 
you know, went over out, helped yourselves buying one of those. I mean, I'd say definitely it's worth it in this case. It was a really good, really interesting show. And, it, you know, set up a lot of things going forward. So if you are a wrestling fan, or even if you're not an active one, if you're just somebody who's been a fan at one point and is, was curious about it, I'd say it's definitely worth checking out. And if you want to hear me talk about it at length, I have two episodes here. Uh, one is about night one and one is about night two. And I go on at length on both of those. So, you know, feel free to give those a listen and try those out. And I will soon have kind of a write-up on my website about it also. Which, when that's available, I'll let you know. But, that's all for this week. You know, we talked some economics, talked some movie stuff, talked some superhero stuff, talked a little wrestling stuff. So, uh, God willing, we will be back next week. And remember, please stay safe out there. Stay home. You, if you don't need to go anywhere, don't. If you do need to go somewhere, you know, protect yourself. And, you know, we got to keep this thing in check as best as we can. And that takes, you know, some effort from all of us. So, with that said, you know, another week in the books here. God bless you guys. I love y'all. Take care. Doo-doo.